1: Saturday morning, and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. You
0: can do that. Come out, <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, everybody. You are well with Ray and Faye, one of those mornings I have a little distraction. Uh, welcome to winter. And the temperature certainly tells us it is so. Uh, we're ready to go. You can phone in right now nine four eight four one nine two seven. You'll be speaking with the beautiful Bev Daring. John Glidden, chief researcher and garden show chef, is standing by as well. You can email us too by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au Dynamic Duo Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton always set the pace when they're here, and we will be doing our best to continue that. Thank you so much, both both boys. And uh, breakfast was wrapped up by none other than our cycling DJ, Jim Crine. And Jim returns at 10am to wear another hat. He will be playing the classic 70s for you. Fayakara, good morning.
2: Good morning, Ray. What a day, uh, hey? Four degrees at Jandakot this morning. I don't
0: know where I was, but it was rather brisk, that I can tell you. Rather <laughs> brisk. And, uh, yeah, I've had the heater going at night, and brr. Yeah, so it's dropped down very quickly. Well, oh, it has. It, mm. it
2: has. But Winter what, is here. What a lovely week. We've had a drop of rain, mm-hmm. but we've had intermittent sunshine. It's Perfect been. Perfect recipe, I always say.
0: Pretty yeah. good gardening
2: weather, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a great weekend for getting out to a garden festival. The, yes, now. The gods are blessing that event. And <laughs>
0: I, I, I believe the rain will hold off until that festival is done. It's running from 10 to 3. 10. 10- Yes. 10 to 10. 3? 10 a.m. to 3 p.m.? I think it's 10 to 4. Is it? Okay. All right. We'll double check that. But anyway, I reckon that uh, people will get in and get out and the weather will come in later in the day. I reckon it's going to be a, a cracker, that show. You're talking at it. I am.
2: I'm doing one of my favourite talks, Eat, Pray,
0: Love. I've heard that one. Now, <laughs> when,
2: where and when so people can come along and meet you? Well, You come in the entrance uh, off the main road and if you just veer right and continue on the path, I'll be at the Tony and Sons marquee, I'll be there all day introducing the presenters and my talk kicks off at quarter past ten and I have a photo show of little bugs that you'll see in your garden and I'll explain the role they play, Mm. so a lot of our bugs are not pests, they're good guys, and we should be encouraging them, not, not nuking, nuking them. everything.
0: This is right. This is absolutely right. Now, we do also have a cracker of a show lined up, as well as lots of prize giveaways. We're chatting with Jerry Colby-Williams, none other than the Art ABC Gardening Australia presenter. He's in town, and he will be at the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow. We're chatting with him at 20 past eight in the studio From 20 to 9 till the end of the program, Chris Oliver, orchardist and lecturer. Now, Chris is a whiz when it comes to winter fruit tree care. All the questions that we've been getting fired at us in the last few weeks. So... If you have any issues with any of your fruit trees, any tree, give us a call when Chris is in the studio. Let's put him to work and let's knock some of these queries on the head. Okay. As well as giving away ten double passes this morning to the Calamunda Garden Festival, we've got seventy-five dollar gift vouchers from both Bigger Trees and Green. Yes, Faye, Green Life I'm speaking. Please. Sorry, you are such a distraction in the studio, young lady. You're going to get spanked in the in the, oh. in the break. <laughs> All right, let's head to Meribuka. Fungus on a plant. Lorna, good morning.
3: Good morning. Um, hi there, everybody. Um, I wanted to try and put a, um, a Grevillea moonlight into a place where a Carimbia ficifolia has died and it died of the fungus, I'm pretty sure. About 12 months it took to die. I couldn't stop it. My concern is even though I've moved the plant and I've moved the leaves and all the rest of it, is the soil at risk of contaminating the Grevillea moonlight?
2: When, when you say fungus, what did you see? What can you describe to me? Why you I'm think it was now. a fungus? Um, let me try. I said ages
3: ago. Golly. Um, oh, now no, I'm sorry, I can't remember. Okay. I, just, I, I originally used milk and on, the, I sprayed on, and then I started
2: wiping it on, and, and it improved. But I can't remember what was on the leaves. I'm it so was sorry. okay. It was fungus on the leaves. Yes. yes, it was a leaf. Their leaves were affected. Right, okay. Um, I might get John to to follow this up and see if he can come up with anything. Off the top of my head, I can't think of a, a fungus that would affect a gum. Um, I know in the soil, if you saw fungal threads, there could be evidence of uh, fungus, but a lot of our fungus no. is good. So if it was on the leaves, yeah, I just... Well, this is the Carimbia
3: ficifolia, and, I, and I, I don't have it under my hands hand at the moment, but there's an, actually an agricultural report, which I very hesitantly put this plant in, but I particularly like it, so I did in the end after lots of debate. And I had it for three or four years, and eventually it just died after 12 months, and it was suffering slowly, slowly, just dying less, more and more and less and less flour. So I put it down to the description that was in this agricultural report. I do apologise. It's an old report, though. And it was describing how they originally brought the Corumbia ficifolia into being and then there's only one that survived this all this sort of um, species spread. and all. I don't know. I'm not very good at describing
2: it. Well, hopefully, John can track that down because once we know what the fungal issue is, mm-hmm. then we can determine whether it will have, in fact... Uh, or how it works, and will it affect, for example, a gravelia? So I, I can't give you an answer off the top of my head because you've given me more information than I, I can understand without research. So, yeah. all right, we'll we'll leave that up to John and see what he comes yeah. back with. Is that okay, okay, Lorna? If I can find the document,
3: I'll ring back to the lady in the, in the, on the online so she Okay. But, yeah. Okay. We'll leave it at that. I'll wait till the here then. Thank all you. All right.
2: Thank you.
0: Bye. Cheers, Lorna. And let's go to Parmelia about pruning mango trees. Anna, we have a specialist coming into the studio this morning talking about exactly that.
4: Good morning, ladies. Much appreciate your call. Um, yes, I have um, three mango trees, but one excessively large that hangs over my roof and the next-door neighbours. And I would like somebody, uh, get contact with somebody that can prune prune it for me, but uh, like a tree pruner, specialist you know like that fruit tree yes for sure i have i have tried to particular people but they said yes yes but excuse me but never had gone back to me so i was wondering if you ladies could recommend somebody
2: oh absolutely well we've got chris oliver coming to join us in the studio at 20 to 9 this morning and what about we we give your uh, put you back to bev she can get your number it's possible that Chris might be able to help you or can recommend, recommend someone. someone
0: yeah. Excellent. Thank
2: you very much ladies. Have You're welcome. And thanks for your help. Okay. Right. Okay. Bye.
0: I'm put, put you back to bed, Anna. Okay. Alright. All good. Uh,
2: last weekend we got a few calls about both avocados and I mangoes mm-hmm. and I, I, I didn't like to talk about what should be done now. I thought, well, it's better off that we wait for Chris because we had him lined up to come in and we we can tackle it all at once knock it over Mm. in in one go okay it might be a good time now Ray, just to remind everyone if they're ringing in if they could please turn off their radios and quite often just one question because particularly towards the end of the show we get banked up with calls and when it goes into two questions time blows out. Two and three questions, Mm. absolutely. That's why we love people to ring
0: in early uh, actually. Ring in early or email us. Yeah, as well. All right, we're in Hillary's talking about lily pillies. Mike, good morning.
5: Good morning, ladies. I'm a first time caller, I have to tell you.
2: Oh, thank you, Mike. It's lovely. Welcome (laughs) to the show and well done.
5: Yes. um, Now, we have uh, a number of lily pillies growing in our garden and they're growing very nicely, but uh this time of year, as you would be aware, they produce lots and lots of berries. Yes.
6: Um,
5: and and we're a bit concerned that they might attract rats because we did indeed have a rat visitor, thanks to our cats, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, now, question, do lily-pilly berries actually attract rats? And if they do, is there anything we can really do about it other than try and pick them all up before the rats get to them?
2: Mm. Well, I I don't know that that helps a great deal. It will help. But from my experience, rats are attracted to anything that's fruiting pretty much. So the more that you can move move away and clean up, yes, that's a good idea. But they also climb the trees and help themselves. Um, But you can... You could offer them to other people too, Mike, if you've got a lot. You can make champagne with them, uh, jellies to have with cheese, jams, chutneys, all sorts of things you can do with lily pillies. So,
5: yeah. I, I, I understand they're very, very tart though, so you'd need an awful lot of sugar to make them palatable, as it were.
2: Well, sometimes you can add them to something else to counter that. So it might be lily pilly and apple, or or citrus, or something. And I'm not too much of a sweet tooth, but I love them as um pastes to go with cheeses yeah, a, as a savoury exactly dish. So it oh, don't okay. don't have to be so sweet.
5: But uh, the 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 drastic option, of course, is to take them out. But we don't really want to do that because providing a very nice screening function. For sure. Well, and
2: pruning them too. You could prune them to remove a lot of that fruit, keep them yeah. smaller and compact, mm-hmm. and hedge okay. them perhaps uh, when they're flowering, removing once again some of the flowers and then ultimately
5: fruit. Yeah, okay. We'll give that a go. All
2: right. Good luck and thank you for your call.
5: Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: Okay, and our number is 94841927, and you can email us by going to gardening at au. And curtain is spelled C U R T I N. Fakura, you'd like to say something? I'm sorry, Ray. I are just you I, are
2: not sorry. <laughs> I, I keep thinking about other things. I know. And a couple of weeks ago, I was at an auction and, and I had looked at some of the prizes on offer and was talking about them. And, and a lady that was sitting down near me said, I know that voice, <laughs> and, and of course it turned out she'd heard heard me on the radio. So we all laughed, and then, n- not five minutes later, I was at the back of the crowd and talking once again. And oh, same, funny that you <laughs> same yeah. thing happened. And and um, yeah, someone said I recognise your voice, and then it suddenly clicked. Then I had friends for lunch yesterday, and I told that story. So about three times during lunch you know i was giving a little bit of gardening advice or something and it sounded like the show and of course um Janine's sitting there and she goes oh i recognize your voice from somewhere <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it's i quite know funny. Quite,
2: quite distinctive mm. as
0: as i'm told my voice is as well i've had the same so it's all it's all good fun it is all right now let me see I know Bev is looking a little busy out there, or is she? Oh no, she's, she's good, she's good to go. Up. Okay, well, how about if you would like to go to the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow, your name would be at the gate entrance. We have five doubles to give away this hour. You must be a Curtain FM member and not to have won a prize in the last twenty eight days. If you'd like to give Bev a call now, your name will be at the gate tomorrow. Nine four eight four one nine two seven five double passes to the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which is at Sturk Park. It's on from ten a.m. to three p.m. tomorrow, guys. Hop to it!
2: You're you're correct, Ray. It is ten o'clock to three o'clock.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to cram in. There's 160 exhibitors there.
2: Oh, it's look, massive! If you
0: it's bigger than love it's bigger, is it bigger than
2: the Perth Garden Festival. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
2: it it is. Wow. It's just a concentrated effort Which from are. a lot of growers a lot of growers come out of the woodwork for this event people we hadn't heard of before mm-hmm. uh, lots of indoor plant displays and you know what it's easier on the, the nursery re- retailers too because it's a one-day event so everything happens in one yeah, day
0: yeah and
2: they get fantastic attendance and hats off to Mandy and Andy Because (laughs) Mandy and Andy, I (laughs) know it rhymes. Um, They get these high profile speakers that come from all across Australia. Costa was spreading the good word yesterday. They've got supporters across the country. This rivals any event in the country. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Be a part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're giving five double passes away this, this hour and five double passes away. The next hour. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. And it's 22 minutes after eight. You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain FM 100.1. We're going to have a quick chat with Margaret in Swanview. We're talking about a frangipani. Hi, Margaret. How are you going? Hi, ladies. Um, I'm fine, but I've got a frangipani that
7: I'm concerned about. I had my gutters replaced and one of the workmen must have lent a ladder against the um, connection. It's like an, a V joint right. in my yes. plant. Causing this branch, which was quite a big branch, to move oh, probably three, four feet. I tried to bring it back. Gently, but it just wouldn't come back, so I'd left it. But in the meantime, the undersurface at, of that branch, right near the point of where the damage was done, has split probably oh, six to eight inches. Okay. And I'm just wondering... Should I leave it, or should I bind it with something to try and keep the moisture out?
2: You certainly can wrap it uh, with a some sort of tape that will oh, you can get like a grafting tape, yes, something yes. or even a stocking, something that will pull it together without cutting into it. Mm. that That's the first thing you can do. Are the branches broken at all, or is it just sort of no. split in the trunk? It's just splintered, the split in the trunk, yep, all um, right, I, pull it back together it, and secure it,
7: yeah, because why I didn't want to pull it back because I felt that the branch would break off and it's it's quite a big branch mm. but I would I just wanted to know whether I needed whether
2: you thought I needed to bind it. Def- definitely secure it uh, and th- and that's the best chance that you've got. The sooner you do it before any moisture gets in there, the better off it will be. And trees are amazing at healing themselves and we will certainly be hearing more about that when Chris joins us in the studio, Margaret. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Great. appreciate your help. Have All a right.
3: lovely day. Thank you.
7: Thank, you. Thank Bye. you. Bye.
3: Bye.
0: Uh, As promised, we're going to be chatting with Jerry Colby-Williams from ABC Gardening Australia. He is in town for the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which is on tomorrow. Now, having just said that, Bev tells me that we still have some double passes available if you'd like to go along to the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow. Uh, Give Bev a call on 94841927 and your name will be left at the gate. Hi, Jerry, You're with Ray Burton and Faye Akaro from Let's Talk Gardening. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Well, right. We hope you're enjoying Perth and we know you've got a busy day planned for tomorrow at the Kalamunda Garden Festival. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing there.
1: Well, they, they've asked me to give a couple of talks and also to have a, a Q&A session. Um, the first talk is basically, are you prepared? And this is aimed at people that grow their own food and may be aiming for self-sufficiency. And so there's some, some some words of caution and some words of encouragement about how to do it comfortably in the way that I'm doing it in my garden in Brisbane. And the, the other talk is Eat Your Volunteers. And that's the other end of the scale. So it's not human volunteers. I that know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you had us going there for a moment. Eat your volunteers. So what does that consist
1: of? Well, technically, a, a volunteer is a self-sown plant. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm, I'm talking about is how you can actually harness the capacity of plants Which you can eat So herbs, vegetables, spices, medicinal plants Things which will self-seed in your garden And if you know how to manage them well You can have a really productive garden And it's relatively straightforward Compared to the sort of dedicated uh, growing That you see people advising Where you, you plant things out more formally And so I've integrated uh, the the presence and I encourage volunteers in my food garden. And sometimes you'll find that they'll teach you things which you didn't know. They'll uh, get you out of tight corners and you'll convince people (laughs) that you're a a better gardener than perhaps you really are. Mm. And I think that's the point about the, the volunteer gardening that I want to get across to people. It's about putting food or medicine in the cabinet, uh, putting food on the table even when life and the weather are against you.
2: I must admit, when I read the title Eat Your Volunteers, I thought it was about eating or foraging for weeds and everyone knows we've got plenty Plenty of those (laughs) coming out at the moment.
1: Well, look, I mean, a volunteer could be a weed. Um, I, I tend to separate undesirable plants by calling them weeds but then there are wild greens so that would be something which would be a volunteer so dandelions I, I I take no part in deliberately cultivating them but when they do pop up in the right place then those volunteers are part of my menu mm. and I'll cultivate them for as long as they behave themselves wherever they've chosen to grow
2: Now I was doing a little bit of homework about how how and where you came from, and I came across a little tidbit of information that says in 1982, you were awarded a scholarship to study the flora of Western Australia.
1: That's true, and and it was um, I didn't, had no idea at the time it would be a, such a life changing event. Really, I um, I just graduated, so I'd, I'd, I'd been studying at Kew Gardens to get my qualifications as a curator and one of the things that a final year student was able to do was to apply for a botanical scholarship and I went for Western Australia uh, because it just, the, the, the wildflowers particularly in kwangan um, so sandplain flora, uh, they just appealed to my personal aesthetic And um, so I spent six months exploring and collecting the plants and exporting plants back to Kew Gardens. Herbarium specimens went to the Kew and the West Australian herbarium. And just this idea of being able to find new species and to document uh, plants that had never been documented before, photographing things for the first time. I was 21 years old, and it had a powerful influence on me, as did the climate. It was just exactly the climate that I was looking for, coming from a miserable, cool-temperate climate in, in the UK. And so I made a decision there and then that I wanted to emigrate to Australia. And when eventually I did, it was a 10-year hiatus before I could actually uh, make my own decision and freely emigrate. Um, that was where I emigrated to in, in 1992 and had fate not played a hand uh, in, in my, my my career, I would still actually be in Western Australia. But the, the opportunity to manage the plant collections of Sydney Botanic Gardens came up and I moved over to the East Coast.
0: I see, because that was going to be one of my questions. Yeah, Why aren't you living here with us in Perth? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, it was just one of those things. And, you know, when I took that job up, Mm. um, it was such an absorbing job. I was there for 12 years and 12 years passed relatively quickly Mm. uh, at Sydney Botanic Gardens. But no, my my intention was never to leave, never to leave Perth. And um, it Mm. remains my preferred climate uh, because I I do like a warm summer and I do like it to be dry in summer. (laughs) I'm quite happy to accept rain in winter. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was looking at at your own personal garden, Jerry Bellis, yeah. and the some of the accolades that that garden has achieved over the years, and particularly of interest to me, uh, back in two thousand seventeen, you had something like four hundred and ninety four species identified in your garden.
1: That's right. I, I it hovers around about five hundred because. I I am having physical problems accommodating any more because my, my whole property is 815 square meters and yeah. 150 of that is my house. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there are there are limits, but you know I think the the most liberating thing about this place was that it was completely barren when I moved here. And so that in itself, starting a garden from scratch, is is a dream for most gardeners. Uh, most of us modify the garden we've inherited or moved into. But because it was basically empty, apart from weeds and a lawn, I'm a record keeper. And by mm-hmm. keeping records of the animals that moved in, the work that I've done, the successes and failures over the years, and most likely, the more likely that successes, but that documentation of what you can achieve on a block of land ended up propelling me to the United Nations where I talked about sustainable food production. And, you know, at the beginning of the project, when I was breaking the earth in a weedy patch, I had no idea that it would be such a powerful thing. And really everything that I've done here, anybody can do. I've made sure that um, I don't use anything that is really specialized that you can't get from a, a local garden center. Um, the only thing that I do here or use here that other people will have difficulty getting hold of is locally adapted non-hybrid plants. And that's where I, I, I'm a seed saver. I'm a director of the Seed Savers Network. And so I try to adapt the plants that I have to local soils and conditions by saving their seed year in, year out.
0: And, and how long have you been presenting, Jerry, with Gardening Australia now? Since last century. <laughs> <laughs> a long that's time. a long time. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, a lot of people. Now, mm. you see, if you speak to Josh Byrne, mm. uh, West mm. Australian presenter, he'll say he grew up. Watching Gardening Australia, yeah. whereas I can say I've grown old presenting <laughs> on it.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's right. a, no, it's absolutely wonderful. It's fair to say that your life has been dedicated, for want of a better word, to gardening horticulturalism. How is it? What's your legacy going to be? What would you like it to be? What's your footprint?
1: I, I think what I'd like people to think about is the diversity of plants that are available, both wild and cultivated, and the immense joy you can get from growing them, plus the way that you can reduce the cost of living by replicating what I'm doing here. And that's really what it's all about. Affordable, sustainable, doable horticulture.
2: And I came across a quote that says, uh, how ordinary people can help avert damage to our society and our quality of life. Yes. And I think that was... Yeah, very, profound. very moving because mm. I think people lose track sometimes of what is important. Lose but their way. Your, your mm. philosophy and the way you teach people about homemade remedies and uh, living with the pests in the garden or how to prevent them and, and set up areas that attract the predators and pollinators is, is just wonderful. You clearly have a living garden.
1: Well, this is true, but all of this is something which anybody can achieve. You see, there's no rocket science behind it. I did have to be qualified in order to understand what the essentials were and how valuable they can be. But the power of the individual, the influence they can have on the world around them as well as their garden is, is really quite profound. And I think that's been the joy of moving here. It was supposed to be... Uh, a model of affordable, sustainable living. And I've managed to live here for nearly 20 years on below medium income. So I earn less than uh, a median income in Australia. And yet I'm able to live a good middle-class lifestyle. And it's thanks to the fact that I, I have soil to access and garden with.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely wonderful. We really look forward to attending uh, your chats tomorrow, Jerry. Uh, that's at the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which is at Sturt Park. Uh, you've got doing several chats, and you're also uh, providing a Q and A session for 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 your audience to be able to speak and, to you directly.
1: And that's the bit that I'm really looking forward to. You yeah. see, because Western Australia may have changed a little bit since I was last there, and so it's all these differences, the nuances. That uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. So it'll it'll be an absolute blast, I'm sure.
0: Well, I've been I've been co-hosting Let's Talk Gardening here for about 13 years, and I've just noticed the change in what people are wanting to do in the garden. And sustainability is where we have moved to in the 13 years that I've been co-hosting the the, the program. So I'm sure that will be very much uh, along the lines of questioning that you will receive from people. That's that's their focus, that's their interest, and I've certainly seen that shift myself
1: well then it's just going to be a ball
0: we look forward to it and we thank you so much for your time today we know you're a busy man take care and uh we look forward to catching you tomorrow jerry thank you very much for being with us this morning been a pleasure chatting with you thank you jerry
1: thanks for having me
0: cheers for now thank you bye Bye. and that was jerry colby williams abc gardening australia what an interesting man isn't
2: he Faye? oh the fact that he was living here in Western Australia, and this is, you know, folks, we he wanted live to stay here in an amazing place. Yeah. Why don't we embrace love it. it more? Why embrace don't more. we plant more of our own plants? People, you know, we've got so many people who've come from foreign countries to live here because of our biodiversity. Let's look after it.
0: Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself, Kari. Let's go to Mandra, Cheryl. Good morning.
8: Good morning, Ray and Faye. That was so good listening to Jerry. Thank you for your show. Oh, you're um, welcome. I a volunteer at Mandra Community Gardens oh. and we, we're we trying to be sustainable and yeah. organic and, and we have a passion fruit that was donated. It's got huge fruit the size of a large orange and they've just sort of started dropping. Some are on the plants still, but they're kind of like withering from the outside. Yes. Can't see a disease, but when I open them up, there's a lot of pulp inside. It's all white. And one of them, one or two of them is just starting to get a purple tinge on, so I think it may be of that variety where they're going to turn purple. Mm. um, Any organic um, ideas of how to stop the fruit drop? The flowers have a few flowers have dropped, there's still a bit of fruit uh, on the vine once I've fed it up with Dynamic Lifter and a lot more water.
2: Do you know what variety it is, Cheryl? No, unfortunately it was donated by one of our volunteers. You know, for fruit to be that big it almost sounds like a big bopper uh, and and if it is you've done very well to get a quantity of fruit on it because to me they're they're shy to fruit. I suspect that it's dropping because of the temperature, the change in weather, and I don't know that you can do much about that. Sometimes if they are starting to ripen, if they're far enough advanced, by putting them in the sunshine, you can get a little bit more ripening from them. Uh, Otherwise, I I think, presuming that it's just like a lot of the other passion fruit, what you would do come springtime is give it a, a light cutback and feed it and uh, along with organic fertilisers and soil improvements, something with potassium in it and that will kick and encourage flowers to develop and, and hang on and then the fruit will be able to develop and ripen over the warm months.
8: Okay. So is it sort of a little bit too late for them to fruit now and and it's,
2: it's just getting too cold for them, unless it's okay. a winter variety. This is why it's kind of so important to know what variety we're dealing with. Right. Okay. You'll, you'll be able to work that out pretty soon, I think.
8: I think so, it'll be disheartening, but yes, i'll I'll take on that on board. And um, the Calendar Festival can't wait to go there. I'm just do you think you could just rock up at the at the gate and they would have tickets? Yes, yes you can,
2: you can. Yeah. Or listen out and you can call in and win tickets here. Oh, unfortunately, I'm not a member, but that's got to change too.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I Thank think what so much, I'll do, David. yeah, Cheryl, I'll make it open to everybody so that these tickets are moved along today because the event is tomorrow. So, how about we need to end our phone call, but try try a bit giving Bev a call. You might just get lucky. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, love. Have a good okay. one. Cheers. Okay, for bye. That. bye. bye. Now, we're going to a break. Uh, there is a traffic incident heading west on Riverside Drive near the boat shed, which is uh, in the city. There appears to be an incident with a cyclist and the area is very congested. So thank you, Graham of Linwood, for letting us know. All right, we'll be back shortly. Curtain Radio. And we are back. This is Let's Talk Gardening and Chris Oliver has joined us in the studio, a very cold Chris Oliver Thank you very much for Good joining us this morning. Get you to pull that microphone nice and close. That's it. I hope you warm up soon. We're bringing you a nice hot cup. Oh, wonderful!
2: <laughs> Chris has been experiencing the chill factor at Kent University. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe this is the hot spot to grow, good to grow those cherries. unusual varieties. Yeah, it can. It always seems to rain here. I've noticed since I've been working here for a long time. They get a lot of rain in this little area, and yeah, it's always happening here in Bentley. So yeah, great, yeah. fantastic. Oh, Do you get a lot of rain out your way?
9: This would be good weather for my cherries. They need yeah. the chill factor. Yeah. yeah. yeah 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 it's been good rain, yeah,
0: and um, more I think we've got a very wet week coming up everybody yeah. so yeah going Six to be or huge. seven days i think yes on end. Yeah. yes, and we could we could reach our June tally in a week. Sorry guys. Nice.
2: I'm flying off to sunny Queensland. Oh. <laughs> you dirty dog. And you'll be loving that because yeah. it's
0: on your garden and you can just fly away not having to worry. I know. Yeah. I
2: know. Now, Chris, I'm glad you've joined yeah. us because we've been banking up all our questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> we had one lady call in about fungus on a Crimbia physopolia that saw its decline over three or so years. Yeah. And she had got a an agricultural paper which John's uh, found. She sent that in. And it's about Mary Canker disease. Yeah. Now, what her question was, can she grow a grevillea in the same spot?
9: Yes. Yes, definitely. Because um, carimbias are sort of more prone individually to get the, the disease than grevilleas are. So grevilleas are uh, a lot tougher. It depends what species, uh, variety of grevillea you're putting in this well too. Oh, know. moonlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some are resistant as well, too, but um, carimbias are prone, like the the normal Mary, as we know, is prone to this bacterial disease. Hmm. And once it gets in, uh, it's hard to get rid of. Does it stay in the soil, or how is it transferred? It's transferred in the air, actually. Yeah, in the air. And uh, once it gets into just a tiny little wound or something like this, you know, that opens it up and bingo, it just goes in and attacks the, the growth cells just underneath the bark and it, mm. then it starts to produce this weeping and it spreads around the hole and ring barks the tree eventually. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh,
2: well, that's good. So good to yeah. know that she can plant yeah. her
9: yeah, grevillea sure.
2: in the same spot. Yeah. We then uh, did speak to a lady whose frangipani... Trunk had split, and did you hear the yep. my advice was yeah. I on track?
9: yeah, that was great, yeah, no good. There is a special um tree tape, a wide tree tape that doesn 't cut into the the bark, and sometimes if you 've got a split like that, we need to do a little bit of tree surgery just to sort of run a pruning knife down either edge, just to yeah. take off two or three millimetres, and that encourages the growth across. Cover it over. Cover it over to, to get It's almost sealing. like
2: a potato peeler. If you ran that down the split edges, that would just shave yeah, yeah, enough
9: yeah. off. Just enough, two, two or three millimetres, yeah. And, and there's a yeah. tape that you can get. And there's a special tree tape you can get at most garden suppliers. Okay. Yep. And it's flexible too, you know, it's good, you yeah, tight, but to. it allows that flexibility for the mm. tree to expand as yeah, well. Yeah, important. Too. Now,
2: I sent you an email that I had forwarded from another listener that, that wrote in about the spikes going yes, into... Yes. Oh, what a mm. horrid story. Oh. She got someone in to prune and they climbed an avocado tree
9: with spikes. It's, it's probably the worst thing that could happen because what's happened, mm-hmm. I had a look at it, a good look at it, and it's the worst thing that could happen because avocado barks is, are much thinner than a lot of eucalypts and so forth. And eucalypts you can sort of climb with spikes, uh, but generally I recommend only climbing with spikes if you're going to fell the tree.
10: Mm. Yeah. You know? he, because
9: what she's mm-hmm. do, what's happened here is that, of course, it's caused these cankers yeah. to grow out. Because Is that what those, the yeah, discharge what the, was, yeah, canker? Yeah, the discharge and it's caused cankers mm. and it's because the spike has gone through into the xylem layer of the wood and it's caused this weeping which has caused a, a wood rotting disease to start in, mm. probably armillaria or something like this, yeah. And you can treat it, you can be treated and uh, you need a pruning knife just to sort of cut out the old dead infected tissue and then spray it with a um, antifungal spray. Like Steri
2: prune or?
9: Yeah, sterry prune. It'd be good because it's got a a fungal antifungal disease um, product in it. Yeah.
2: It's a real warning uh, for people out there that are getting someone in to prune their trees to number one, watch what's going on, but also ask the questions about how they're doing it. I know when you prune, you you bring down a tree to a manageable height, yeah. but you use a ladder, yeah. a freestanding ladder yeah, yeah. that you can get up there yeah. and, and safely prune something that's very stable
0: for sure. And
2: yeah. you've got that foresight about how how a tree needs to be and yeah. it really needs to be kept at a height where you can yeah. pick the fruit. Yeah, yeah, for exactly. ease.
9: yeah, Yeah, No, so that was a really a bit of a disaster, unfortunately. But uh, there is hope. There is hope it can oh, be repaired. Good. Yeah. That is good.
2: So yeah. when is the best time to prune avocado trees?
9: Uh, generally, around uh, about uh, late winter to early spring is the best for avocados. Mangoes you can prune a little bit earlier, but generally with mangoes you don't n- need to prune them a lot. Really just removing the small dead tips that come from the uh, the fruiting from the last year just to cut off any dead wood and that sort of thing.
2: So... The trees would have, uh, perhaps over the last month or so, had their fruit finishing, ripening yeah, and, yeah, and picking. Yeah, so yeah, true. would you yeah. not, could you do a little bit of trimming now, like, or as soon as it finishes yep.
9: fruiting yep. before it gets cool? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Particularly with avocados. Uh, you can prune them back and uh, the main thing with pruning of avocados is of course that you can, you can de- or put the, pull the head down slightly and then bring the sides of the canopy in as well too but must be important to know how to prune where to cut back so that you get this sealing of the wound and that means that you look for a bark ridge and then you just prune you make your pruning cut at the end of that bark ridge not a flush cut but it must be at the end of that bark ridge. So you only wound the branch only, and that's important. A flush cut. Yeah, flush cut is, is, is straight up and down the trunk, okay, inside that bark ridge, that bark ridge. So you must not make a flush cut because a flush cut will wound above and below the branch that you're cutting back to. So you're doing more damage by doing a flush cut rather than doing outside the the bark ridge
2: what what is a flush cut
9: <clears throat> a flush cut is then cutting straight down the bark straight down the the side of the the branch very very close to the uh the branch where you're you're cutting off and so it's it it, it wounds the the tree uh, trunk above and below
2: Do, is that <clears throat> where it tears yeah, yeah. oh okay <clears throat> yeah yeah so you want a clean cut and a square have, cut just you, above that
9: yeah, that just,
2: ridge, or just, it's like exactly. a
9: node, isn't it? It's like, it's like a node, but you'll see where the bark ridges up, where the branch is attached. And don't cut any closer than that bark ridge, because that's when you get a flush cut, which you're wounding the tree. Whereas a branch actually forms into the tree through what's called a cone. And then that cone is a separate sort of area where it has protective cells either side. So if you cut back to that bark ridge, you're only wounding the branch, not the whole trunk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. that's the important part, yeah.
0: Okay. Just have to take a short break. We'll return.
7: 100.1
0: We have Chris Oliver in the studio with us this morning. We're talking winter fruit tree care and uh, basically any care of any of your fruit trees we have the man right here and we have a question for chris right now we're chatting with barbara in dianella good morning
11: oh good morning faye ray and chris morning
5: good
0: morning
11: Um, a beautiful chris morning i'm heading out to work in the garden but i was really (laughs) wanting to listen to this um chris i have a um, a cherry tree, which hasn't rewarded me yet with fruit. It's got dual fruit on it, supposedly good for or better for the Perth, seed, Perth area. Um, what I'd like to know is, this will be its third year and I'm hoping that I will get more than just blossom and I'm wondering when is the best time for me to maybe tip prune it and what should I give it to to feed it, I'm actually going to throw some really um, soft mulch over it this morning from my pit at the back.
9: Okay, yeah, so um, round about now or in a couple of weeks, when it gets really cold, uh, it's best to prune. Uh, depending on sort of the um, the age of your tree, uh, as to depending three on years how old? How, how old? It's about three years three old. Three years, I mean, it was okay, an, it was, yeah. Yeah,
11: it, it, when I got it, it was, um, you know, sort of uh, probably about it's probably about five foot high okay. and now I would guess that it's about 12 foot high because it's got some really lovely tall limbs. I rang the nursery that I'd bought it from, so I did prune it last year. So this year it hasn't even begun to change the colour of the leaves because it hasn't been cold enough and yep. it hasn't really lost anything. So still got lots of leaves on it.
9: It's a great time for uh, these cold mornings too, for uh, the the chill factor, which cherries mostly need. But depending on the variety of the cherry, the requirement of the different um, temperatures of chill factor are required. So for example, I have a number of um, self-pollinating varieties, which uh, where I am in the hills, just it's never cold enough to set fruit but yet I have some oh, older no. varieties, you know, which um, yeah. uh, do take the, the lower chill, which we can get.
2: Chris, can I just yeah. interrupt there and ask, do you have to take the leaves off before you start counting the chill hours? Yes, yeah, you, definitely. Okay.
9: Yeah, definitely. Because you need that, that, that coal to be right around all the buds, the, the fruiting buds. So, that's, yeah. so should
11: I take, and by the way, Chris, this cherry is called Mini Royal and Royal Leaves
9: so it's grafted okay yeah no that's it it depends i don't know that particular variety but uh i'd say all cherries do need the chill factor but it's a good time um, to prune but you don't need to prune cherries hard maybe only once okay. every 3 to 5 years it's just a thinning off okay. of the fruiting buds and if you want to reduce the height of the tree then you can head back and if you want to um, reduce the canopy, you can reduce some of the sides. But very, very okay. uh, light pruning is needed because you want as many of those spurs as you possibly can, which bear the fruit.
2: Should Barbara take okay. all the leaves off now?
9: Yeah, well, no, i just let them fall. Let them fall of their own accord. Uh, once this chill continues, it'll happen. Mm. And uh, all varieties will then shed all their leaves. And then once you've okay, done that you light should. pruning, then you can apply your fertiliser you asked about. And uh, I recommend yeah. um, if you want a quick growth, uh, something like NPK Blue is really good because it has the yeah. uh, macronutrients plus the trace elements which you need a requirement. But check your okay, pH so as well he- too. in the uh, soil. And what should the pH be? The pH should be around about um, 6.5 to 7.5. For ideal take-up of the major nutrients, yeah. All right. And, Chris, um, I'd say, when do I apply the um, MKP? Straight after pruning. Right, you can put it on now, yeah, for once you've done a little bit of tip pruning and whatever you require, uh, then put it straight on now. But remember to put it along the drip line only, uh, just inside and outside. Don't put it close to the base of the trunk. Because that's where the okay. mo- the the mo- more small uh, root hairs are there, which take up moisture and nutrients.
11: Okay. Um, now this is nowhere near dropping its leaves. As I said, there's no colour really in the leaves at all. I'm so tempted to do what Faye was saying
9: and start pulling leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do that or not? (laughs) No, look, um, I believe um, one has to leave on most fruit trees as much foliage as you possibly can. And uh, by pulling the leaves off, to me, you're interfering with nature. And we want to sort of go hand in hand, work with nature and let nature let the leaves fall so that you get as much nourishment coming from the leaves into the, the roots as you possibly can. Okay. For a longer time. All right. Yep,
11: so this one tells me that it, is, um, uh, um, that it is for this temperate area. I think, can't remember what the other word, or climate, cool temperate to warm temperate. So we've planted it not far from the house to actually give us some shade over a ramp that the backyard is just so, so hot. So it's probably about, or oh, I'd say about seven or eight foot from the veranda, Um and it's just gone above the guttering, probably by a foot. So, you know, you, you did say to prune it now yeah.
9: before it even loses its leaves? Well, I would, I'd wait, really. Um, you could prune it now, but I'd wait until the leaves are completely dropped. All
11: yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. I think I've got all that. All right, Thanks Barbara, we have much. to go to the news, love. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. Be Cheers. cool. Bye. Okay. It's nine o'clock, everyone. It's 10.9 degrees right now and the humidity is sitting at 87%. We are heading for a mostly sunny today maximum of 18 and the minimum overnight will be 7. Showers increasing tomorrow with a maximum of 21 and looking ahead to Monday, the minimum overnight will be 11. Showers maximum of 18. And moving on from there, we've got some a few heavy days of rain forecast particularly Monday and Tuesday. Now the rainfall for June so far, of only a few days into June is ten point two. And the average, or well, last year actually against sixty point six mils last year. But the average is one to six point nine mils. Okay, now we only did twenty six point four mils for May, uh, against the average of eighty eight point seven. So we've got a lot to make up. Let's keep our fingers crossed that we actually do it and I'm sure we actually will. It always rains, right? We worry.
9: Let's hope. We need our tanks for...
0: We certainly do. Okay, straight out to the lines. We're talking about a Fijoa tree. We're in Mandra. Marie, good morning.
4: Good morning, Clay, Kay, and Chris. Morning. 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 How can we help you, Marie? <laughs> well, I've got a feijoa tree. Yes. Growing. Um, it's, I've had it for about seven years, and this year it's given us quite a lot of fruit. So, um, my husband wants to shift it from the
12: spot
4: that it's in to the bottom of the garden, um and I'm just wondering how will it can you give me some ideas of um how to do that and when to do it? Is this a good time to try and shift it? It's about ten feet tall now.
9: Okay. Now, the important thing about transplanting from one site to another is to make uh-huh. sure that you don't cut too much of the uh, foliage or the, the above ground parts of the tree. I firmly believe, you know, when you're taking out and you, you, you're you digging your, your, for your root ball, just come out yeah. a little bit, um, probably about... Yeah. Um, um, 30 to or about 60 centimetres, you know, about two feet across, sort of thing. If you, it doesn't matter how a sm- root ball, but as long as you take as much fibre material as you can and make your cuts clean, uh, but with your shoot area, uh, don't cut anything back at all apart from anything dead wood and so forth. Let nature show you where it wants uh. to die back to. You need as much foliage as you possibly can to restore that root area. And uh, when you're digging uh, the root in, make sure you fill in around the, the root ball with lots of nice mulch and good decaying compost to, to give it... Um, don't put any fertiliser in initially. Wait till it settles in, and then you can apply it probably about a month. And then you can mm-hmm. apply your fertiliser around the drip zone. But, yeah, for sure, don't cut too much okay. of the shoot back.
2: And, Chris, do you yeah. find that if you're moving a, a plant into the ground, you can almost do it without the plant knowing that it's been disturbed if you're very careful?
9: Yeah, yeah if you're careful. And that's oh. what I'm saying, you know, leave as much foliage oh. because the whole aim of transplanting is to reduce what oh. we call transplanting shock. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. The, the more you can provide... Uh, keep it moist before you uh, move it. And one other oh. thing you can do, you can actually uh, call it a process called root conditioning, where yeah. about four to five weeks, maybe six weeks before, dig a trench yeah. down to just to the depth of a spade all the way around, fill yeah. it with compost, and then just oh. leave the roots to come through into that. And then you can just oh. move it, slip your spades or whatever underneath it, to lift it, and you'll find that um, it's really, really reduces transplanting a shock to have that, that new roots forming in your root ball.
2: And of course, that's yeah. if you're taking it from one site in the ground to yeah, another one, to another whereas site. this one, I think, it was going, in a pot.
9: Pot, sorry. Okay. No,
2: no, it's in the ground. Oh, sorry. It's in the ground. Um, where,
4: where we're going to shift it to is where we had some chooks, so will that um, soil, you know, will it, that be all right, not too strong or anything if there's
9: all chook manure around? With with chook manure, you've got to be a little bit careful. If it's fresh, I would sort of just yeah, rake no, it away a bit no, because, it's, because it, it's uh, just, yeah, it can burn the young it's tender roots, um, chook mm. manure. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yep. Oh, that's it's fine. I don't want it shifted. I think it's great. <laughs> My husband thinks it's too close to the neighbour's wall, and it's you know growing up taller and taller. Well,
2: Marie, <laughs> tell him he can prune it. You know, if you yep. if yep. you think of bonsai, you can actually keep things <laughs> yes. in place mm. by managing
9: mm. the yep. the growth. Yep. Just 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 mm. reduce the top and uh, the, the size of it, and. Uh, you can uh, keep mm. it intact, yeah, for sure. You
2: can save him a lot of work. <laughs>
4: yeah, well, he's listening. Don't worry, he's listening, and I bet he'll say, Oh, we can just leave it there, I think.
2: Yep. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good Thanks, to me. Marie. <laughs> all right, have do a great like day. Fijos? Do you like Fijoas though? Do you not? I know do.
0: Oh,
4: yeah. yes. Yeah, I do too. So yeah. Very nice. I didn't but, think mm. I could grow them here, actually, but it's it's doing fine. So thank you. Okay.
2: I, just
4: love, I love your Dad fusion. I've got books full of all sorts of, um, all your um, manure recipes.
0: All <laughs> ah, that's good to hear, Marie. It's a wonderful <laughs> hobby. You. Take care. Thank Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Now, we have a special guest who would like to just pop in if we're a free. Um, Kate's husband is, I believe... No, they're talking out there. There's someone that wants to come in and, I don't know. What do you think, Faye? I don't know. I don't know. They're, not, they're so busy talking out there, they're not listening. So we're going to go <laughs> on to Mount Helena, from Mandra to Mount Helena. Pam, good morning. Good morning,
13: Faye, Ray and Chris. Um, I, I'm interested in buying a persimmon tree. Um, I need to know, are there different kinds of persimmon and where can I buy a tree?
9: Yes, you've got the two main types of persimmons. You've got the uh, astringent ones, which are the old-fashioned ones, of course, which are uh, the fruit. You have to pick it uh, hard and then leave it on the shelf, and then it goes very soft and messy to eat. And then you've got the, the non-astringent ones, of course, which are the more modern ones, more of the uh, the Japanese varieties and so forth. Are um, You can eat like an apple when they're mature, mm. nice nice um, golden sort of orangey colour. And uh, yes. you can just pick them straight off like an apple and uh, chew them. So you've that's, got the, that's two the one types. I want.
14: That, uh, the kids
13: from over the road bring some for me, and they're beautiful.
9: Yeah. And right. now I'm
13: having difficulty getting
4: finding one.
9: Mm-hmm. Oh, you should be able to pick them up at most of the um, the um, uh, fruit tree orchards. Yep. Okay. Um, right. Any close to um, you? Yeah.
13: Yes, I'll have to go on a a, a, a seek
9: and find. <laughs> I just wanted to know
13: the kind that I wanted to buy,
9: and it's the
4: non-stringent.
9: Yeah, the non-stringent ones, and then uh, um, you can eat those like an apple, and there's no sort of stinging or effects in the mouth, you know. I'm having some for breakfast.
2: Chris, would they be available as bare root trees? Uh,
9: Not really, because being being evergreen, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, persimmons, no, being deciduous. Um, no, well, you could, uh, but I've never seen them as bare root. Okay. Um, generally, I just um, think
2: in in the in winter time, there's often a lot of trees various, available yeah, that come in yeah, by their hundreds, yeah, yeah. and that's perhaps a good time yeah. to to get the varieties yeah. and choice. And yeah. of course, the garden festivals, um, Pam. There'll be fruit yeah. trees yeah. there. Yeah, so you might
9: pick up a specimen there for sure. But generally, persons come in a pot, uh, container. I haven't yeah. seen them so much as stone fruit and so forth come as, uh, as bare root. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. All yeah. right, Pam, okay, we, we have to move on, love.
9: Yeah, thank you very thank much. Thank
0: you very much. for the program. Yep. Thanks, Ray. Thanks. Cheer, cheers Bye. for that. Bye. All right, now we're heading to Dianella. Caroline, good morning. Oh,
10: good morning, um, everybody. I was just ringing about my blue um, kangaroo paw. It's been doing really well. But I noticed one was getting thinner and thinner. I, I had three of them and I moved it down the end and I came out one day and it was down to bare earth. I think my dog has been at it. Oh, dear. Yes, she's chewed it because I found all these bits on the ground <laughs> and there's pock marks in some of the leaves where the teeth have gone in. I've lifted it out of the way, but I don't actually want to leave it. I've got it on a very, not very nice shelf. It doesn't look very nice. I want to put it back where it was. Is there something I can spray on it to stop her from
2: Uh, from eating it? I think she's eating it. Do you know what you can do? Get some chicken wire, make a little um, outer barrier, and put that around the plant. It, It really needs to be in a sunny location right now. And maybe in springtime, pot it into perhaps a little bit bigger pot if it's growing. Give it some, some seaweed or something to kick it along. Chris, would you give it any organic food at the moment?
9: Yeah, I think so, definitely. Yeah, give them a little bit of well-composted material, yeah. <clears throat> but there is a spray you can um, purchase, which is supposed to keep dogs away uh, from them and it doesn't affect the plant in itself. deter yeah
0: yeah and also Caroline I've got a couple of these blue kangaroo paws and they the snails really like them yeah be careful just
9: yeah, I found the
10: broken bits on the ground mm. was mm.
2: like biting mm. them off. Yeah. Oh, it might be might be snails or slugs. have a, have a yeah. close look right into the
0: oh, into the center of the other two as well. Just just double check that because that's the problem They're that I've doing
10: had very well. Very Mm. well. Even the one that was down to the earth, it's got new leaves already coming up Mm. within it. But no flowers. I thought they were supposed to flower all
2: year. Oh, good luck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're keeping it alive, you're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yes, I am. Thank you. Thanks,
0: Caroline. Thanks for your
10: call. Thank you. Bye.
0: Now, I'm going to give away a $75 gift voucher from Green Life Soil Co., Now, there's a wealth of information on their website. If you'd like to check it out, greenlifesoil.com.au. That's greenlifesoil.com.au. You'll find a lot of products to match your gardening needs there and so much more. They also have a great monthly newsletter, which I subscribe to, pops into my inbox once a month. It's free, packed full of fantastic information about what you need to be doing and thinking about. And I was chatting with uh, Linda Mitchner yesterday and she tells me that Green Life have... Jerusalem artichokes in store, and she also said to remind people that it is a really good time to start preparing their soil in readiness for bare root trees, which will be in nurseries in the coming weeks, and also in readiness for asparagus and rhubarb, which should be around next month. Uh, Green Life Soil Co. will be at the Gallumander Garden Festival tomorrow. If you're going along, go and go and say good day to, to Linda and Paul. Now, here's the question. You must be a Curtin FM member, of course, and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. True or false? There are more species of orchids than of birds and mammals combined. True or false? There are more species of orchids than of birds and mammals combined. If you get the question right, $75 gift voucher to Green Life Soil will make its way to you this week. Give Bev a call now on 9484 one nine two seven. Okay, we've got a couple of minutes to the break. So,
2: Diane has written in from Roly Stone, and oh. she says, uh, "Say hi to Chris. We used to work together on the Roly Flower Farm." And she sent in a recommendation. She's listened to an audio called "Braiding Sweetgrass" by Robin Kimmerer. Robin speaks from a botany science point of view, and being an Indian descent from a holistic point of view, um, tying in uh, reciprocal values with what we take from land and how we give back, which she says is so reflective of our show this morning. Oh, lovely. Yeah. 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 So That's braiding sweetgrass short... and audio. So I guess you get that on uh, YouTube, Kindle or um, like audio books. Okay. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Oh, interesting. It's not... Um, something i do so i'm i'm Braiding not really sure
6: but in your spare time <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well there's mm. a lot of native grasses i know the maoris do it like there's a yeah. lot of we can make a lot of things we can. out of our our own gardens yeah True. yeah, yeah.
0: True. no excellent and just before we go to the break question for you what can people do if they have the citrus gall leaf Citrus issue.
9: gall leaf. Uh, there are sprays, of course. You can Citrus
2: get... gall wasp, wasp or yeah.
9: the wasp. citrus yeah. leaf
2: miner wasp. Yeah. Citrus wasp, gall leaf wasp. wasp.
9: Yeah. Uh, with, with the galls, it's best to cut them off as, as as cut them out. The cut them out of the branch. Yeah. Mm. Try and sort of remove them as much as you can. And are just you left get with much of, of a
0: tree if you have a heavy infestation? Um,
9: yeah. Sometimes if you've got a heavy infested, it's uh, it's so hard, and, and of course yeah. they'll keep on sort of reinfesting.
0: And that's right. And that's what I'm having. Yeah, and then of course yeah, you don't get yeah. any fruit. No,
9: you don't get any fruit. So, so
0: I'm thinking about pulling
9: mine out of the ground. If it's really um, widespread, it's it's you know the best thing is to start anew again. Yeah. Well, I had. Yeah, when I bought the property
0: where I am, it was in some existing lemon trees, which I got rid of, and this is a new tree. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. And I was just wondering if you had any remedies, or I know exclusion netting is possibly the best answer.
9: You can uh, cut them back fairly hard. Yeah, I've done uh, that. And then you need to what's do is to skeletonise your citrus tree, which means that you take all the foliage off and you just leave the main bearers, yeah. and then you have to whitewash it and then feed it up really well. They do come back quite yeah. well, so you can save the whole plant, but if mm. it's a whole, totally infested, and if it's a big, fairly advanced tree, then it's worthwhile to skeletonise yeah, it. Yeah, to keep and, it. Um, but mm. you might wash wash it because it'll, uh, it'll burn in white the Whitewash it with? With uh, some sort of acrylic water-based uh, white paint Okay. or just a, a lime-based paint. Mm. Yeah, that will
2: look nice in your garden, Very right? pretty, yeah. very
0: pretty. <laughs> okay, we'll yeah. be back shortly, folks. Curtain Radio. We have Chris Oliver in the studio with us this morning. We are talking gardening on Curtain Radio. And we just have a lovely gentleman pop into the studio in the break, and uh, apparently left us a lovely gift or something out there, Faye. We will
2: something to drink, I hear. Yeah, <laughs> we'll check that out. We'll yeah, check good. that out after after the program. Yeah, well, so there's thank a biggest, you very much. There's a bigger Peter. story to that, isn't there? There is we, a bigger story. We to were it. asked if we do a garden consultation for a lady who was having a special birthday, mm-hmm. uh, and we we don't do it very often, but we did agree to this one. And uh-huh. Bev and Ray and I popped over there after the show last week oh. and um, apparently spent he's l-
0: got lots of brownie points. And he spent, uh, after our visit, his wife spent $1,000 at um, a nursery. Yeah, It's
2: oh. a wonder he's thanking us, Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
0: I, uh, way to go. Good on you guys. So thank you, Peter. Thank you, Kate. And, uh, yeah, we had a couple of hours of lovely gardening uh, interlude in her, walking around her beautiful, uh, prop, you know, Mm. So
2: sunny and bright, wasn't it? And she'd packed so much in and she she wasn't confident with what she'd done, but she had the compost happening and the veggies were growing. There was tomatoes fruiting. It was just a a lovely aspect and And she packed so much in. She had a vintage aspect to everything, didn't she? You You made a raised
0: raised garden bed they created for her. It was very funny. Mm. Yeah, no, we had a good time. So thank you very much, Peter. Okay, we shall carry on. I know that we'll have a winner very soon to our Green Life Soil Co. voucher. We still have bigger trees to give away and I still have five double passes to give away to the Kalamunda Garden Festival. As soon as I know
2: that Bev is free to take those calls, we will fire again. Okay. We have had an email come in from Lee and this is plum trees in Golden Bay, Chris. Have have a look at... Uh, the photos and and I must admit, when I did see the leaves, and uh, I would say something like intervenal chlorosis very yep. yellow leaves with yep. with green veins. Yep, and it's a, a satsuma, satsuma plum to the left and apricot to the right are going fine, but this one is suffering, it's really going backwards. Chris, I I must admit, when I looked at this, I thought it's something to do with the soil, like limestone, coastal yeah. alkaline soil. Could it have hit limestone for it to have suddenly gone backwards like this?
9: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, once the pH, of course, gets down below uh, six point five, then of course a lot of the major nutrients and the trace nutrients also become unavailable. And above, so, uh, and, and above, and above the same. Say, thing. Eight above, nine About eight nine yes um, more alkaline then of course the same thing happens again so there is this uh, sort of narrow window of availability and uptake of nutrients but looking at the um, the foliage uh, there's a big difference between iron and magnesium and uh, with iron you get a very clear intervenal chlorosis the the veins really stand out as very focused and sharp but this is not iron. This looks like a combination of um, uh, of nitrogen which occurs on the older leaves on the margins and the tips and you can see it's yellowing so you've got nitrogen but also magnesium when you've got this blurring <coughs> of the veins through to the from the, the green to the, the yellow uh, dying back the discoloration. So I'd say at a quick diagnosis there that you've got uh, nitrogen and magnesium particularly and you can put uh, magnesium on with um, Epsom salts of course is the quickest way and your nitrogen on with one of the complete fertilizers uh, is best uh, such as the NPK Red or NPK Blue again uh, and that'll give you um, an extra nitrogen but check your pH and you might have to adjust that uh, You can buy a little soil tester, pH tester kitter, which will give you an approximate sort of idea of where your pH range is. And then you need to put on either, um, if it's too alkaline, you need to put on an acid-type fertiliser, or if it's too acid, you need to put on an alkaline-type fertiliser such as lime.
2: I can also see in the background, uh, I'm not sure if it's lemongrass or something similar, (coughs) but... It's, it's a grassy plant that also looks like it's suffering and burning. Yep. So I'm not sure if that's a hangover from summer, lack of water yep. or similar. <coughs> uh, but check the moisture levels and perhaps add a, a wetting agent as well with all that Chris has said. So hopefully that
9: helps, Lee. Yeah, if it's a physiological damage such as sort of lack of water, you'll find that uh, you'll get the margins and the, the tips of the leaves uh, very burnt but there will be a clear line between the uh, the burnt tissue and the living tissue. Whereas if it's a, a nutritional problem, it's a sort of a merging line between the two. Mm. That's the quick way to tell.
2: And I guess for a lot of people, like your, your knowledge is amazing, Chris, but that would... <clears throat> probably overwhelm a lot of people. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. what they can do <clears throat> is take a, a leaf sample to their local nursery yeah. Yeah, and speak sure. to a yep. horticulturalist yep. who can and they diagnose can it and provide them with on. a solution. Mm.
0: Yeah, we do have a winner, Olga of Ascot. You do well out of Let's Talk Gardening, Olga. Congratulations. Uh-huh. A $75 gift venture from Green Life Soil Co. will be heading to yours this week. Now, the question was, there are more species of orchids than of birds and mammals combined. True or false? The answer is true. There are twice as many orchids than birds and four times the number of mammals. Wow. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely wow. Now, because I can see we have a little bit of room, we have five double passes to give away to the Kalamunda Garden (laughs) Festival, which is happening tomorrow at Sturt Park, obviously in Kalamunda between 10 and 3. If you'd like a double pass, we will leave your name at the entrance. Uh, you just need to give Bev a call now on nine four eight four one nine two seven. Go to it, guys. Five doubles up for
2: grabs. Carry on. All right. Uh, a question about avocados for Chris here. Peter from Les Murdy has sent in an email to us with a photo. This is a lamb has Chris. Yep. It's had great growth on the lower branches but the top ones are now having smaller leaves and look like they're struggling last year it set six fruit but those at the top fell off at marble size one on the lower branch reached golf ball size before it succumbed since then they have repotted into good soil and into a half wine barrel this is fantastic peter because you've sent us a photo and we can see exactly what the tree looks like, as well as your description and the location that it's in. Uh, Peter also says, thanks for the great info each week. So, Chris, tell us about managing avocados in pots and yep. what would what would you expect? Can they do well and, uh, and how?
9: Yeah, they can do, but uh, you can't really leave them, even in the, the size of this barrel, which looks like, for too many years. Um, this is looks like a fairly young tree and what happens after transplanting say from one pot to a larger pot is that sometimes there's not enough what they call cling hormone uh, to hold onto the fruit. It happens a lot with a lot of uh, stone fruit and citrus as well too that uh, in a young plant you have to let them sort of develop uh, and uh, develop more hormones, clean hormones, you can actually buy a, um, a product uh, which is called a stop drop, uh, something like that, but go to any nursery and they'll t- give you this uh, hormone which you spray on and that'll help to hold the fruit because there's a part of the, um, the tree, uh, the plant recovering from the transplanting shock as well too, uh, is that it will drop its fruit. Uh, uh, before maturity so but you can sort of help it but it's best just to leave it go give it a, a good um, fertilizer uh, and it, preferably a slow release one that releases um, uh, nutrients over a time so that you've got that constant supply instead of sort of rapid release which will go through very quickly uh, the soil yes yeah, so persevere and you'll find that um it will gradually get enough hormone through or you can actually um, trick nature a little bit into um, uh, using a stop-drop spray, yep.
2: Uh, that's interesting. I had not heard of a stop-drop spray before. Mm. No. Mm. So no. Is that, does it sort of do the same job as trace elements, um, providing a plant with, with elements that help it hang on to fruit? Yeah, or is it's,
9: it... it's a very quick uh, remedy uh, but it, uh, it the trace elements, of course, will take a much longer time, naturally. Right. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, in time we'll do it. But the, the Stop Drop Spray gives you fruit if you get impatient about <laughs> not waiting. <laughs> isn't <laughs> it, fruit.
2: isn't so. it funny? There are so many products now available. I know, yeah. sort of looking at the indoor yeah. plant range, yeah. you can get... You know, plants, uh, you can get hormones that create more shoots. And then you've got other additives that will encourage more roots. And yeah reduce bacteria and fungal diseases and like there's
9: something for is a marvelous thing there is yeah. a, even like with the transplant we're talking before you can buy sprays now which will sort of prevent sort of too much transpiration loss that's right yeah so, they're great um, products too yeah great yeah. products yeah, yeah so they work very
0: amazing well. yeah. i had a Deep Herd at my house this week because they're doing the area uh, for the q fly and they baited some of my trees and tag trees. They're okay. spraying and Fantastic. baiting. And yeah. So yeah. it's more, it's preventative. Yeah. So yep. they've got little pink ribbons tied here and there. And ah. I've got tags sitting off on some of my trees front and back. So they'll come back
5: yeah. and yeah. check
0: it out. But I think the plan is to attract the male if he's around and kill him. Yeah. And yeah. then he, then the female doesn't have anyone to mate with. Yeah. I think that's the plan. And they were telling me actually that the Q fly is attracted to about 300 different specimens, not necessarily always fruit yeah. trees either. No, no. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's amazing.
2: Well, a lot of trees also produce fruit, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. Even yeah, if we very... don't
0: grow them for fruit. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, because yeah, I think they the epicentre was Bayswater and yeah. they haven't had a sighting for a few weeks now, so that's very positive. But it was quite bad there for a little while. About mm. 100 deeper people on the ground in and, surrounding areas. Yeah. Yeah. And you can
9: actually uh, um, put in uh, trees which have a, a more greater attraction, which will sort of, uh, like locusts, for example, are yeah. uh, a prime tree which um, fruit fly love. Uh, they tend to go to that rather than your other fruit trees.
7: Mm. Um,
9: so, and then, of course, nowadays you can buy uh, modern fruit fly nets, which yeah. will keep the fruit flies out. Yeah. Uh, so this it's a
0: battle, isn't chance.
9: it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a battle. But the main thing is to try and sort of um, plant um, earlier flowering and fruiting trees uh, where the fruit flies won't have time to move in. So that's another trick that uh, if you want to get fruit, there are plum varieties, peach varieties, and so forth. Which are earlier fruiting, which will be out of the fruit fly season. That's
2: a really yeah. important. Yeah, and that's what a I tried to do, particularly with my apricot, to get an early mm. fruiting variety. Yep. Because yep. once Jan sort of goes yeah. through winter yeah. and into early spring, yeah, uh, I can I can get fruit before Christmas. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, way yeah, to go! No, oh, so no, many issues it. and challenges,
0: isn't and there? Less
9: spraying and so mm. forth. Yeah. Mm.
0: Okay, now I can see the lines uh, are freeing up. All the tickets have ta- have been taken. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, Ten doubles have been given away to the Kalamunda Garden Festival for your entry. And that entry includes, gets you into the grounds and all of the chats that are happening there tomorrow are included in your ticket price, obviously, and 160 exhibitors at least and so much entertainment there and three marquees going with... Uh, seriously professional, the best of the best uh, people talking uh, in those marquees, including our very own
2: Fayakaro tomorrow. And you're on again. When was that, love? Uh, tomorrow morning at 10.15, doing my talk Eat, Pray, Love, which is all about my bugs and Fantastic. showing my photos <laughs> and answering questions. And they'll
0: find you in the Tony and Sons Wholesale Nursery Marquee, Okay. And uh, yeah, we've got people like Steve Wood, and obviously we spoke to Jerry Colby Williams earlier. Uh, Sophie Thompson from ABC Gardening is there. Darren Thorpe is there. Uh, David
2: Parnham,
0: Lisa Parsmore, Diego, Neville Parsmal, the da- fungi. David Parnham, who we had on air recently with the blueberries. Uh, yes, yeah. the fungi is there. And uh, who have I missed? I don't think uh, I think I've covered everyone. There's um, some going to be some really really. Uh, Fabulous uh, opportunities to learn and a bit of retail therapy if you're so inclined. Now we have more fruit questions. Let's go to Kinross. Talking about a mandarin tree, Carol.
12: Yes, another dreaded citrus question. That's what we're here for today. (laughs) Your weekend wouldn't be the same without a couple, would it?
0: No, uh no. Well, we just uh, fruit is so popular. Fruiting trees is incredible,
2: Carol. Well, mm. and we always learn something. So, what mm. what is your problem or question about a mandarin tree?
12: Uh, well, I've got a, a mandarin, a, an imperial mandarin, in a, a large pot. It's about six years old. And I've had good fruit and that often in uh, the last couple of years. But this year, the fruit is very, very small. And while the fruit's on the trees still, all the leaves have dropped off.
2: Oh, that's not good. What's no. happened to, to cause that? It sounds like it's had a shock of some sort.
12: Well, uh, I don't know. It's next door to a, a lemon and a, a pot and they've both had the same treatment, the same amount of water, the same fertilizer and uh okay, you know what
2: I think? It's probably extended its life in the pot and yeah. probably needs to move on to the next size pot. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah, it sounds like it that and, oh. and also it's you know, just hard to realize uh, how much more water to give in a pot. Because sometimes if it's been in there a long time, the moisture just doesn't get down to the base. And it's good to check uh, a supplement you can buy as a a moisture tester. You can pick them up from main hard stores and you can put that down to the bottom of the pot and check that there is moisture. So it sounds like a drying out. Yeah, doesn't it, Faye? I Mm. think so. Uh, That's caused the the foliage to Mm. drop. Okay. Oh, yep. as long as it's not a dreaded disease or something. No, it sounds physiological problem. Cope with the water problem. Yeah. So okay.
0: if you can Thanks watch back much. at, Gard- Carol, if you could watch Gardening Australia, you know, replay, I think that's tomorrow, or if you, you know, can get access, iView, you can watch it any time. Um, there was a good segment with Josh Byrne last night on... Uh, fruit trees and it showed him replacing a tree or pulling it out of the pot and what he did and then putting it back into the pot and it was very timely very worthwhile so if you can get to have a look at that i
12: usually watch that uh, repeat on a sunday there you go tune in
0: all right love take care okay cheers for that okay let's squeeze one more in we'll make it a quick one have an avocado tree shirley how are you
14: Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, 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 well, I've got these two beautiful avocado trees in my pot. They're about just over a metre high now, and they came from the seed of an avocado. What I'm asking is, do they get fruit on them at all? Yes. Do you know of anyone who's
9: fruited them this way? Yes, you could be quite lucky and just get It's a bit of a a uh, uh, chance sort of thing as to whether you'll get good fruit or not from seed. But generally, um, if it comes from a good variety like um, a Hass or a Ferte, for example, uh, it, it should produce fruit and with a little bit of TLC uh, and uh, maturing along the way, I think you might get fruit, yeah, for sure.
2: And Chris, even uh, if she wanted to graft them, when's the time to graft avocados?
9: Okay, now the best time to graft avocados is generally when they're just prior to the um, spring Uh, growth flush so midwinter probably is the best time and uh, but just check that there is a little bit of sap flow coming through because you need that sap flow to get the take uh, in your graft so that's the best time that I've had success.
2: I would like to book you for a grafting workshop this midwinter if we can.
9: Yeah (laughs) and there's lots of different grafting techniques you can use as well on avocados which are more suitable yeah.
14: Oh, oh, lovely. Because the trees themselves look so beautiful and healthy. I gave they keep popping up in my, gra- my garden because all my compost, all my fruit and veggies <laughs> go in my garden, you see. Yeah. And, uh, and and I've given like, a couple to my um, my eldest daughter, and her legs are growing beautiful. So I said, they've got it on this Saturday, so I'll listen to the man. <laughs> so that's good. Okay, I've got some ideas. And I, like I said to her, look, I think it's a waiting game, I said to her, yeah, let's just see if
0: they fruit. Good on you, Shirley. Yeah. Thank you for your call. Thank you
14: so much. Bye. All
0: have a lovely day. Yes, you thank too. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, we shall return.
6: Curtain Radio.
0: And at 10am you'll be joined by Jim Criden with the Classic 70s. Now let's head to Ascot. Olga, good morning. How are you? Good,
13: thank you. i have just ringing to say thank you for the prizes that I've had over the years. Um,
0: <laughs> ah, yes. I went <laughs>
13: I went to Bigger Trees yesterday and I did buy a whole lot of stuff. I used up all the vouchers that I'd collected over the last few years because I've been too sick to go up there earlier.
0: Wow. Um, What did you get? Did you like it up there? uh, Oh, it was lovely. Yes, I, I got a whole lot of stuff. I've got an old water
13: feature that I want to convert into a cascading plant thing, so it should look very nice with the plants I bought. Oh, I've got philodendrons yes. I've got a dwarf mire tree which won't be going in there but um and velvet divas and astromerias and things like that so it was really lovely to go up oh, there wee. and I took a friend with me who
0: also bought a whole lot of stuff so it good was very good sounds day. like a haul yeah did you meet Carrie yeah. did you meet Carrie? Yes, I did. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It was it was really it was a lovely day to go out there yeah, too.
13: So, yeah, you know, sort of Took the opportunity before the rain sets in. Well done, so did, well done. I did. Thank you very much. And I did ring to find out I have a um, a power pole in my yard. Well, it's on private property, and there was an inspection done this week, and I was told it has to be replaced because it's corroded at the base. And it is right next to a hibiscus that's a very large one. It's probably about 35, maybe 40 years old. Wow. And I'm worried that it may be damaged badly when they replace the pole because there's a whole lot of cement around it. And um, I don't know what I could do. It's a special one for me because a friend of mine gave it to me many, many years ago. So um yeah, I, I don't know if there's any preparation that I can do before the pole gets replaced and if there's any way of being able to save this thing because it's only about less than half a metre away from the trunk of this tree.
2: I would probably ask the people doing it what what they think, you know, how exactly they do it. I would imagine there's going to be quite a bit of excavation and it may be that they need... All that space and they may have to remove it in which case mm. it might be worth the try but gee that's yeah if you don't have a lot of time to prepare uh, mm. then that I have Chris. 90 days to get it done yeah. Okay, so when's the best time to move a hibiscus?
9: Well, right now would be a good time, you know, to start preparing. But I would, uh, we talked before about uh, conditioning around the the roots. But hibiscus are pretty tough plants and um, they will transplant fairly easily, providing, of course, you take as much uh, care about moisture, just keeping the the root ball moist and uh, also uh, just prepare your hole well uh, with plenty of compost going into and so forth, but as I mentioned before, don't cut too much of the shoot back. Um, Olga, that, I, well, this I, this thing I is, is
13: about three meters high by oh, okay. about yep. three meters wide. It's huge. And oh, it's you know, a big tree,
2: yeah. Olga, yeah. I suspect that this is probably a job for a professional.
9: Yeah. So I think
2: <clears throat> you need to find the right person to do yeah. it and yeah. and get right. booked in.
9: Yeah. no, if it's three okay. meters, a big mm. plant. Uh, you really need to get a professional in, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Okay, (laughs) thank you very
13: much for your time and thank you for the show. I'll enjoy it. Thanks,
0: Olga. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we are in Butler talking about a loka
6: tree. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you, ladies. Yourself?
2: Very good. How can we help you, Chris?
6: I've got a uh, loka tree. It's about two and a half metres tall. It's been in for about four years, and it's never even looked like fruiting. Do That's they a, need a um, a male and female tree, or
9: generally no, no, they're self pollinating. Um, it's been in a while, hasn't it? it? Should start to have fruit. They fruit very early, like. Um So, and the foliage looks healthy. Uh, yeah, it looks pole nice pole and pole
6: green. Nothing wrong with the foliage. It's all nice and green and it's got new growth coming on and everything. It was grown from a seed. Does that make any difference?
9: Yes, it does. Yes, for sure. It might produce a lot of vegetative leaf growth area for a few years before it settles down to fruit. uh, If it's a seed, that's they're more prone to do that from seedlings uh, because you never know how they're going to turn out um, to be good fruit or not. But it's worthwhile persevering. You'll find that it will slow down itself and then begin to fruit. But while you've got a lot of vegetative leaf area growing, you will get less fruit because you don't get the, uh, the flowers being formed. It's more sort of um, uh, leaf area and shoot area uh, uh, prior to um, you know, um, its maturity of getting fruit.
6: So can I cut the centre out of it?
9: Um, you could sort of reduce it. Don't cut too much out. Just um, cut enough out to uh, enable sort of ventilation to, to go through, because that's important. Uh, There's not much uh, as far as disease and pests which attack locusts, fortunately. So um, uh, you can sort of um, uh, take care with your pruning, but I'd say, yeah, yeah, just leave it go until it settles down for another year or so, another season or so, and just keep it healthy. But don't put too much th- nitrogen fertiliser on it because that'll encourage the uh, uh, the um, the leaf and shoot okay. area to grow. Yeah,
6: I've got two smaller ones. About uh, they're not even a metre high yet. Can I um, pull the leaves off the bottom of the stem to uh, encourage the upper
9: growth? Yes, yes, yes. You can. You can sort of uh, t- just lift the up sort of up to about knee height if they're fairly small. Uh, and then when you're taking the leaves off, remember not to bend them down, but bend them up because it's just right. a tricky little thing that sometimes you, you bend them down, you will actually tear uh, the, the leaf uh, attachment area and that will wound. Yeah, That's
2: a good tip. Thanks for that, Chris. Yep. All right. Good luck with those, Chris.
6: Thank you very much. Have a good day. Cheers. Okay,
2: bye.
0: Okay. We shall return. Catching Radio. you're tuned to let's talk gardening our special guest we're working him uh very hard this morning chris oliver yeah. orchardist lecturer and many other talents uh to your name and titles aren't you fruit man's specialist yeah. will call you now look i've got a couple of calls to get through but i also would like to give away our 75 dollar gift voucher to bigger trees WA's leading frangie supplier and they also specialise in ornamental and fruit (coughs) trees. Now they have probably one of the nicest nurseries in Perth and beautiful new stock arrives every week. Great time to go for a stroll. You'll still see some beautiful uh, autumn displays from their deciduous trees up there and I believe the camellias are absolutely showing off right now. And they have
2: persimmons too. i got a (laughs) note (laughs) here. They have persimmons. Okay, well they are fruit tree
0: specialists, okay. So Uh, They do deliver across the metro area. If you'd like to learn more, go to Biggertrees.com.au. They've got a great Facebook page as well to keep you updated. It's a very easy question. Guys, uh, John was very soft this week. Now, you must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. The question is, on which hill did Fats Domino find his thrill?
2: Oh, I think Uh, I know
0: that one. (laughs) On which hill did Fats Domino find his thrill? 94841927. Meanwhile, we're going to Oakford. Good morning, Cheryl. Thanks for waiting.
15: That's fine. Thank you um, for having me on. Um, Chris, those probably can answer my question. I've got two pomegranate trees. I, I'm not sure which variety, but they're both different varieties. Um, I managed to um, net a, a, a few of the fruit, the rest the parrot's got, but never mind. <laughs> um, when I broke them open thinking that, they they looked right you know how they go a bit boxy and and red and blah 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 um but when i actually tasted the kernels they, they're just about all seed um with little juice around them is it am i doing something wrong or is that just normal
9: no that's just normal um you'll find that um if they turn a sort of a slightly orangey red color then you'll notice that they're pretty right but if they start to split uh, means that because they're, they're overripe, um, yeah. So I think no, you're doing right. It's, it looks okay. What uh, it sounds like, so uh, just. Oh, okay. I
15: thought I might have been leaving them too long, Chris, and that's why the seeds were so big.
9: No, well, um, just just check monitor them. Uh, but the 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 check is if they start to split, then they're too too mature, and they'll start okay. to dry out as well. <coughs>
2: are, they okay, su- well, <laughs> are they sweet, Cheryl? Yeah, they seem quite
15: sweet um, One more than the other um, But yeah, just a bit disappointed That it, it was sort of so much seed um, in them That was all
2: I think it comes back to the varieties yeah, Which is why it's yeah. always very handy To know what the varieties yeah, are for sure uh, So can you suggest a variety <laughs> which is more fleshy? I think that It's something like Abhijani is one of the the highest recommended ones, Um, a, a good variety to my knowledge. So maybe try that. We have to move along. We're running out of time. So thanks for your call, Cheryl. Thank you. Bye now.
0: Bye. Now, we do have a winner for the Bigotry's $75 gift voucher, Pamela of Lake, Congratulations. Good on you and thank you for playing with us. The question was, on which hill did Fats Domino find his thrill? He found his thrill on Blueberry Hill. Of course he (coughs) did. Okay, final call for the morning. We're in Dawesville. Jenny, how are you?
3: Good morning. I have a very quick question for you. you. (laughs) Uh, Earlier I had avocados in pots I've got them coming up all over the yard but when is the best time to replant or take it out of the pot and put it into the ground
9: right now yeah it's a good time yeah just because the sap flow is slowing down and just be careful when you take it out of the pot to check for any root binding situation that may occur uh, because if it's been in the pot quite a while you'll find the roots tend to curl around the bottom and around the sides. Just tease them out um, if, uh, if it's not too tightly bound. Uh, and otherwise you can actually cut the roots back a little bit as well too uh, with avos uh, And as long as you give it a lot of TLC, sort of moisture and nutrients, good uh, uh, compost and so forth, once you transplant it then uh, away it'll go.
2: Good good luck, Jenny. Because they, I know that from experience, they can take ten years to fruit. so yeah, sure. I'd recommend grafting yeah. them. Yeah,
9: grafting mm-hmm. your fruit in about five or six years, much so much sooner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, I'm thanks. Not that, I'm not that serious. <laughs> yeah,
0: good on you, Jenny. <laughs> thanks right. very much. Okay, thank Bye. you. And it's been a busy program. Uh, we do. Try and encourage people to ring in the first. You know, obviously you've only been in since 2 9 nine. We'll get you in earlier next time so we can <laughs> cover more fruit questions. <laughs> okay, fruit, fruit uh, questions. Just
2: quickly, uh, an email came in from Kay, and she has good news story about a frangipani that uh, took a turn for the worst at her daughter's house, and the trunk was badly split. It looked terrible. She felt she could uh, doctor it, so she dug it up and took it home, and she's pulled it back together, put a bit of soil in the crack and away it went and it's a centrepiece in her garden looking stunning. Good news. <laughs> Apart from the ugly looking trunk.
0: Well, another busy morning on Let's Talk Gardening Thank you, Chris, so much. We will get you back in about a month or so, okay? Because I think Be it's just the demand. Love to. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sure. We mm. appreciate so much. No, uh, it's, it's good fun. No, no. Mm. Yeah, we value you, and we certainly value Bev Daring and John Glidden and our very own Faye Acaro. Coming up next, Jim Crinan with the classic seventies, and my. Gardenism for the morning is how many lessons of faith and beauty we should lose if there were no winter in our year. <laughs> now, we've given away $430 worth of prizes this morning on Let's wow. Talk Gardening. We do well. I think such valuable information that Chris has given out today. We do have a podcast. Don't forget that, guys. You go to our website, which is curtainfm.com.au. And on the drop-down bar, there's at the top on the homepage, it says Programs. There's a drop-down bar under Programs. And you'll find Let's Talk Gardening. And all our shows are sitting there. You can scroll up and down. There's a little toggle button to the right and where you go, up and down. And you can listen to as many shows as you like. But I recommend that you listen to today's show and listen back over the information that Chris has given out to you this morning. Anything else that we need to add?
2: Well. Get out and enjoy the weather
0: while it's fine before the rain comes. And enjoy that as well. Spread some love. (laughs) (laughs) Happy gardening, everyone. Thank you for your company. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.